What's up, nerds? Welcome to The Captain's Quarters, the Star Trek rewatch podcast, where we are rewatching the entire Star Trek catalog, starting at the beginning of the timeline, starting with Star Trek Enterprise. Today, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 10, called Vanishing Point. My name is Gabe. I'm with Jason. Make it so, Jason. Hello there. Jason... In this episode, Sato and Tucker are down on a planet, which I don't think we get a name for. They they are nope. studying some ruins, uh, a cave system with hieroglyphics, I would call them. Um, and they're basically just collecting data, gathering samples. Their mission is cut short when a diamagnetic storm approaches and the storm it's like a a rainstorm but it's charged it's like magnetically charged electrically charged what would you call it uh i believe it was um i mean it's diamagnetic so yeah so uh but it was also polar polaron based i think as well uh because sato um uh, not to give too much away, but she suggests that they, you know, instead of transporting, because the idea is that they transport back. The safest way to get back on board is to transport back. And Sato uh, has a fear of the tra- has a bit of a has a bit of a fear of the transporter, and so mm-hmm. she one of her suggestions is to climb into the shuttle pod or go back into the cave. Right. Um, but the other one was to climb into the shuttle pod and polarize the hull plating. Mm-hmm. And T'Pol made a comment that um, that polarizing the hull plating would uh, basically create a... Uh, it would attract the storm. Yeah, kind of like a key in a thunderstorm. So Right. So the storm comes on pretty quick. Like you said, they can't take the shuttle pod. So um, they have to get transported out. Tucker is um, the senior um, person down there. He has more seniority and more rank than Sato. Yeah. And he's like, at first he's telling her to go first, but then like you said, she's hesitant because, I mean, the thing is ripping apart your molecules and then reassembling them. Right, as she said. Yeah. (laughs) And and at this point in in this, uh, this universe, you know, it's not really established that uh, this is something you can do safely. I mean, it's been done. Um, you know, when we, we we talked about that episode where where they had to get ship repairs at that sort of automated shipyard. Yep. That tech at that shipyard was like full of transporting technology. Like even to the point where when they were, when, uh, the enterprise crew was trespassing they would like just like instantly transport them back to the enterprise Mm -hmm. yeah so you know it's this well-established thing but for the humans and certainly earthlings it's you know obviously they're a little bit nervous about it but sato especially so she's like you know what tucker why don't you go first and then call me when you get there right so he does when you get back safely right and, Let's uh, call it transport phobia. I don't know if there's a term for transporter phobia, but yeah. 
Yeah, transporter phobia. And so she goes second. They escape the storm safely. But soon after Sato gets back to the Enterprise, things are awry. Something's not right. Mm -hmm. So it's subtle at first. It's subtle in that people are kind of cold to her. Uh, they they don't really she seem notices to notices her a mark on her face moved like two inches. Yeah, on her nose. Mm-hmm. I was like, Whew. a centimeter. She said, "Yeah, a centimeter." Yeah, yeah. Me. and she, and she's you know people aren't noticing her, but but it's done in a way where it's like you can't tell if she's just like hyper focused on it or if like they actually aren't noticing her. So. Um, I thought the episode did a great job of a slow build in that regard. Yes, because it, it was very su- subtle at first, and you you just chalk it up completely to her paranoia, like that she like yeah. manifested these symptoms, quote unquote, because because she was so anxious. And I think we've all been there where we're like anxious about something, and then once you're thinking about it, then it's sort of manifests itself you know what i mean yep and for most of the episode that's how it it looks it looks like she's just being paranoid uh she even goes to dr flox tells him she's worried that she wasn't assembled tells him about the mole and and then she starts noticing that she can't press certain buttons and then she's like uh looks in a mirror and like she appears invisible She's in a shower. She starts and then, to fade away. Yeah, she starts to fade away in yeah. a shower. But it's not until she goes to the gym where she basically disappears. And then then we know this whole time it wasn't just paranoia. Something actually is happening because they literally can't see her. Um, and so the, the other crew can't see her. And so, but she can see them, and they they basically think that she her molecules basically were, were not assembled, and that she was lost. And um, Archer is upset, or they're all upset, really. Um, and it's very believable. Um, but it turns out that um, when she was transported back, she got there was a slight glitch in the transporter and basically she was stuck um in the device and in the uh, pattern buffer pattern buffer and yeah. reed had to basically tweak it to get her out and so when she gets out we learn that this whole episode took place like over eight and a half seconds mm-hmm. um and it was just like basically some version of of like a dream yep. where um she uh she was just it was her subconscious and none of it was real so yep uh she was obviously relieved and you know they explained to her you were only gone eight and a half seconds and um yeah that was pretty much it you know, obviously skipped over a lot of details there, but what'd you think, man? You know, uh, this is one of those episodes, and I say this a lot, 
and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I love this episode. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Cause I it did is, too. It is a, it's number one, a classic, In it's a classic episode in two ways, that it's a transporter, phasing, phase in, phase out, you know, you think it's kind of a transphasic episode, um, but also in a sense that this is one of those episodes, just like the seventh where we get to explore to Paul and her background and her mentality. This was, um, we get to explore Satos and I, this was very enjoyable. Um, this was a great episode. Yeah. I loved it. I, you know, um, because, you know, in the beginning we know, you know, there are signs from episode one where, you know, she's cautious about going into space you know about transporting doesn't want to go on away missions etc etc and there are definitely um these insecurities that they just full blown on like they fully blew on talked about it and we got to experience a lot of her insecurities in this episode and so it was an exploration of Hoshi Sato's psyche mentality you know all that kind of stuff um and that to me is like uh that to me is when we get to really fall in love with a lot of these characters uh and especially in this franchise right there are a lot of character driven episodes mm-hmm. and that's what i loved about it um right. you know the you know the fact that she was failing <laughs> you know in in the early part of the episode, she fails at deciphering this hostage situation. And Archer and T'Pol are frustrated, and she gets replaced by this um, this other crew member, this ens- you know this other crew member, and he's able to resolve the situation in an hour, right? And so we're. So this episode is playing up to those insecurities where she can't crack the code, she can't crack the language. Um, she gets taken off of the bridge, basically, and um, taken... I, I don't want to say out of commission, but no longer part of the bridge staff in this. She's ignored. Um, and... You know, she's ignored by T'Pol when she goes up to T'Pol and they start, you know, and Sato asks her about the hostage situation. And then when she's able to... But you also see the perseverance in the character, you know, because she continues to push through. Because in the latter part of the episode where the two aliens are, you know, where she sees the two aliens um, trying to destroy the ship with this bomb or thermal nuclear device or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she tries desperately to, you know, uh, get Archer's attention. Um, you know, she, you know, um, she tries to get his attention by, um, uh, she does Morse playing code. Playing with the lights and Morse using code. Morse code. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, so using Morse code. And then, you know, when at the end, she, you know, she's desperately trying to save the Enterprise and she hears Reed and Tuck. She does, 
quote unquote save the Enterprise by deactivating this bomb. Um, and yet she has those fears about getting into the transporter and she hears Reed and Tucker's voice of you know, instructing her to get on the transporter, and she does. You know, it may not have been real, <coughs> but in her mind or in her dream, in this dream state, she still has the ability to push through and, you know, and get, you know, and step onto the transporter. And, you know, if they, and, you know, that finally she rematerializes. Re um, and then we find out that it was all a, a dream sequence or whatever you want to call it. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love this episode. Um, so, a little bit... So, Angel, my my significant other, my better half, like, walked in and was, like, kind of watching this episode. And she goes, ooh. It's kind of like all of her insecurities being ignored, you know, taken off uh, the job for not doing it well enough and all that kind of stuff. So, she was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so Linda Park had to act her butt off in this episode, and I thought she did a great, great job. Because uh, she really had to, her, she had to do like a come full circle. Because at the end, you know, she was relieved and joyful and everything. But but she also, like you said, in the in the middle, she had to save the day because nobody on on um, Enterprise knew that these aliens are planning these bombs in, in her hallucination. Right. Um, and she stopped the bombs and just, um, I thought she did a great job. I thought it was pretty yeah. amazing. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed, and I really liked that Archer, you know, trying to get her, to get her confidence back, um, you know, even said, hey, look, when push came to shove, you overcame your fear in the transport and you got onto the transporter pad, mm -hmm. you know, whether or not you, you know, whether or not it was real or not, it was still something in your, in your mental makeup to do so. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the, but the planet was non-named. The two aliens obviously were unnamed, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the alien language you know, there was, you know, all of these things coming to fruition that, you know, we've seen hints of it in Sato's character, but this was just full-blown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, her dad, played by uh, Keon Young? Keon oh, yeah, 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 Keon yeah. Uh-huh, yep, yep. He looked familiar. Yeah, he played uh, Buck Bokai in deep space nine. Oh, okay yeah uh, okay a baseball legend yep um and then the he played for the kings <laughs> uh is, yeah i don't know is that right okay. yeah i mean and on the episode of mm -hmm. deep space nine and then uh morgan margolis who played crewman baird uh temporarily um, replaces Sato in this episode. Uh, he played an alien in Star Trek Voyager. Oh, okay. And then my favorite production note, of course, is written by Rick Berman and Brandon. Of course, Braga. yeah. Yes. That's how you know. It. That's why it was so good. Yes. 
Um, well, I, you know, I do think that it, it explored parts of Sato that they've explored before with her having to kind of, you know, step out of her comfort zone mm-hmm. and overcome her fears. Um, but I think it also, this episode also addresses like you know, maybe previous iterations would just have the technology in it. It's like, well, it's the future. They have spaceships or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think this, mm-hmm. I think this show takes the opportunity to like take a deep dive into certain things. And like, I think the transporter technology, like this being the first generation of, of like Starfleet to use this stuff, you know, obviously these uh, this crew would be nervous about it. Sure. But I think us watching it, we're nervous about it too. It's like, sure. Well, how does this work? And I, I like how they, they basically like establish that it's safe by exploring the fear of it. They're like, yeah, this is scary, but, um, even when you get stuck in the buffer, you still come out the other end. You know what I mean? So like, Mm -hmm. that's like a sign that something is very robust. Like, there's a huge glitch and you're still okay. Right. So what what point of the episode did you realize that oh this is that this is something a little different that this was something not right. Like as And far- did you re- and did you did you think that it was where you know as a first time viewer I I'm mm-hmm. always curious of your opinion um Mhm. Not just because you're a friend, you know, um, but what what did you think of, you know, the twists and turns and where it actually came out? Did you suspect something like that? Yeah, I strongly suspected that. um, I didn't think she was caught in the transporter. I thought thought maybe the storm knocked her out and she was like on in the ruins, um, like passed out in the ruins, you know, and just dreaming all this. Okay. That's what I thought was happening. Um, obviously, I didn't think they would kill off Sato. Sure. But they went pretty extreme with it. I mean, to the point where they really—they literally had residue from her molecules around. Yes. And they were going around scanning for it and collecting it and stuff. And it was like, you know, they had moments where it was like, you know, this is the last of her type thing. And it was pretty well done like uh as far as just conveying this like um just like sense of like sadness and um you know just archer having to call her dad like that was like that was like kind of heartbreaking you know um so yeah it's a good episode um i don't know i i it was the best version of a dream sequence that you can have. Yeah. Like, like I remember one time, I think I was watching the commentary on The Incredibles, the Pixar okay. movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, I think it was the director said something like, so we had this dream sequence in there, but it's kind of this unwritten rule that like you want to avoid dream sequences at all costs because it means that there's something you need to convey in the story, in the plot, 
but you're not creative enough to like get it into the real story organically so you like Mm -hmm. force this dream sequence in order to sort of like break the continuum and like more um sort of just like explicitly like spell out something that you can't do artistically and and because and mean people know that and it's like you know so you're trying to avoid it because it's like it's like cheating um and I, I always think about that when i watch media and i'm like i see dream sequences i always think about that um that little note and but but i think this episode was i didn't feel like it was a waste of an episode even though nothing that happened happened I didn't think it was a waste if for no other reason because they they gave confidence that the transporter works sure um, and it's it's very secure and even when something goes wrong with it it's still like okay it's uh it's analog it's not digital you know what i mean it's like uh it's uh it's it's a good technology and and I think hopefully going forward maybe they'll they'll use it more with more confidence so cuz there's a lot of times when I think they could use it that that they, sure. they yeah, don't yeah yeah so yeah but I don't know that was it that was all I could all I could think of anything okay. else yeah no um like I said before uh so I thought the other thing that I thought um, was, this is small, but it's still pretty cool that they, um, the transporter beam itself is different from all, from all the different series. Hmm. And even this one, they kind of added their own little uh, twist to it. And there was like this little, I don't know, I imagine uh, this little, uh, in the transporter beam, it was kind of a, this little... Um, like this little star or kind of leprechaun kind of uh, kind of dealy that would float up uh, in the in the uh, effects uh, huh. in itself. And then the other thing too is, you know, she says she doesn't say "beam me up" or anything like that, but she does use the term "beaming," uh, and that was kind of. I was like, ah, oh. interesting. Yeah, I forgot about that. Hey, what did you think of Cyrus Ramsey? Yeah, so, 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 um, I, so this is, so the, after that was mentioned, I was trying to think of if Cyrus Ramsey had been ever mentioned in any other mm-hmm. element of like parts of the franchise, if he was like a minor character or like, you know someone outside mm-hmm. of and I, and I didn't and it didn't even dawn on me that it was a possibility that this was this episode was the first and last time we ever hear the mention of Cyrus Ramsey yeah um and that was new to me and I was like oh that's weird I'm like wow they're really so yeah no I, I and again I you know Star Trek has a tendency to do this a lot, but I thought it might been a been um, might have been a um, a small character or a reference to a book in like Dixon Hill or something mm-hmm. of that nature in the in the 
in this uh, in the franchise, but it was sing. It was um, this was the only time you used the other. I will say this though, I've heard it used outside in the fandom. Oh, like there have been Star Trek fans where they're like Cyrus Ramsey, blah blah blah, right. and I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it that it was a okay made up story character for this one episode. Interesting. Yeah, the reason I asked was that, uh, and I, I should clarify that, so uh, the boys, Tucker and Reed and Mayweather, you know, in the mess hall, they're kind of like joking around with Sato. They're like, did you think you'd be the next Cyrus Ramsey? And they tell her that he was someone who went into the transporter, but his molecules were never reassembled. Yeah, so got he, lost he in disappeared. space, which... Yeah, he's basically a ghost, and it's told yeah. like a ghost story, and yeah. it kind of sets the tone for the episode. It be- does, and be- I yeah. and I didn't realize that that is where they were going. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. So, so to me, I thought it was a transporter malfunction, mm-hmm. and I did think that she was. So there's a next generation episode sort of like this. Um and I'm not going to delve in too much into it, but it it reminded me of that where it was a transporter malfunction and that she was phasing in and out between you know the two worlds um and that she wasn't really fully fully materialized it i did not think that she was caught in the transporter buffer um but i thought that there was something else that that was happening and that she was caught in between kind of dimensions and universes and kind of that kind of i thought that's where they were going i was wrong i thought yeah i thought about that too that was kind of scary or or i guess i thought maybe they were going to try to like is particularly with when Reed was saying like, "Hold on, Sato, or I'm trying to get control of the stream or whatever." There's right. like three times that that echoes. You know, Sato's walking around, and then she can hear yeah. Reed like say that. I I thought maybe they were trying to establish something with alternate universes. But... Oh, okay, okay, okay. But... You love alternate universes. <laughs> I yeah that's I true. did not realize that yeah <laughs> yeah well I don't know if I love I I uh, just am aware of them and um you know I I just think they're tricky and they're hard to track and so I try to focus focus on them so if we do need to track them then I'm ready for it okay so I think that's what it is I'm trying to be prepared for a complex tricky conversation that that we have to figure out so sure 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 anyway was there anything else with this one man no i think we covered it cool well everyone thanks for listening be sure to follow us on twitter uh captain's quarters pod is the handle follow us on spotify subscribe on itunes And go to nerdific.com for the Discord server where you can tell us everything we said that was wrong.
and we'll try to uh, engage in a healthy debate. And until next time, live long and prosper. Make it so. See ya.